This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. The theologian John Donne has said, to understand what God is doing and to do what God is doing are the functions of Jesus in the Gospel of St. John. In this reflection on the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, we'll consider what implications Father Dunn's observation has on us as followers of Jesus. But in this particular text this morning, I imagine, if you're like me, a number of us have been beaten over the head with this particular text to try to believe a certain way, and if we don't, we're going to fry forever in hell, and we have to agree with somebody's interpretation of these words. And, and, and that troubles me when we take the words Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. And, and, and we, we get into dogmatic arguments about who Jesus was or is. Is Jesus divine? Is Jesus God? Is Jesus the only way to the... And so we, we get into these debates and arguments. I, if you're like me, my Facebook uh, feed is filled with people that are self-appointed proclaiming they know exactly who Jesus is and was. And they have evangelical anxiety to convert me to see things the way they do and the rightness of their position. And what troubles me about all of that is it gets in the way of us actually doing what Jesus taught us to do and actually living in the way Jesus hopes and taught us to live. That we're so busy arguing and debating that we really never get around to doing what Jesus said to do. And that troubles me. And then the, the, the nature of the debates, I mean, we toss around words like Messiah, Christ, divine, prophet, like we have any idea what we're talking about. And we have limited knowledge at best. So one of the things in my own years of study and wrestling with these texts and allowing these texts to probe me and, and shape me, one of the things I have learned in my, in my research is that in the prophetic tradition that Jesus certainly came from, the, the Hebrew prophets, they prophesied as much by how they lived and what they physically did as by what they said. So that you cannot separate the life of the prophet from the teaching of the prophet. It was one message, one integrated message. And when I look at the life of Jesus, one of the things that stands out to me is his table fellowship manners. Now that may not sound like a big deal to you, but in this time and place, to share a meal with somebody was incredibly sacred and very intimate. And you would only eat with people that you opened your heart to. So it was much more than just sharing a meal together. It was a deep act of intimacy and it was sacred. And Jesus refuses to eat, at least in the four gospel narratives we have in the Bible canon, he refuses to eat with nobody. He ate with Romans, the oppressors. 
He ate with Pharisees. He ate with sinners. He ate with non-Jews. He, he was indiscriminate in who he ate with, which is why when we have communion here in a little bit, we're going to be indiscriminate. And no matter who you are, where you are, you're welcome here. Because that's what Jesus did. And so the living of life as Jesus did is as much of his teaching as anything. And I believe that's what he's imploring us to in this passage, is to live the way I have lived. And in the passage it comes up, uh, one of the disciples says, well, show us, show us the creator, show us the source of all that is. And Jesus said, haven't you seen me? If you've seen how I've lived, how I've behaved, that's how the creator behaves. And so it is my proposition, and I've stumbled on this since I was hired here. I really, in my whole life, had never really thought of it this way. But since being here, it has come to me that one of the major functions of Jesus' existence in life, at least in the Gospel of John, is to show us what the Creator is like, to give evidence of the invisible God. And if that's what Jesus was supposed to do, as followers of Jesus, I'm suggesting as the major project of our church life that we should be living and acting in such a way as to reveal what the invisible God is like. Now, along these lines, I've been reading a theologian, a uh, Catholic uh, priest who taught at Notre Dame named John Donne. And John Donne wrote this about uh, the Gospel of John. He says, now to understand what God is doing and to do what God is doing are the primary functions of Jesus in the Gospel of John. So to figure out what God's doing and to do that, that's Jesus' function in the Gospel of John according to John Donne. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Now Donne goes on to say, and I love this, he says, to do what God is doing, we could say, means being in harmony with reality at its deepest level. So if we're going to stumble along and try to do what we think God is doing, what we're stumbling towards is living in reality at the deepest level because that's where the source of all that is, is, is in reality. And I love that. And so he says, everything hinges, therefore, on trying to do what God is doing and trying to discover what God is doing. And then he makes this comment, which is insightful, very much so. He says, we can say that the actions of a person reveals who the person is. And then he corrects himself. He says, better, when we look at the actions of a person, it reveals who their God is. So the way somebody behaves towards others, towards their job, towards their family, the way they drive their car, really is an indication of who their God is. And so my hope is that we will begin to show the God we believe in by how we live. Now for me, this is not a moral imperative. Well, God says we gotta do that, so we gotta do that. We don't get to do what we wanna do, we gotta do what God wants to do, because God's God for crying out loud. 
And so it's not this moral imperative that we got to do this. I think, and I'm going to suggest to us, that this has therapeutic value for our humanity. Follow me here. The wonderful Jewish rabbi, Joshua, or Abraham Joshua Heschel, says this. He says, it is difficult to remain immune to the anxiety of the question, whence we come, where are we, and whither are we going? So Rabbi Heschel says, we are all dealing with what I will call existential anxieties. What am I doing here? How should I be living? Where is this all going? These are the things that gnaw at our stomachs at night when we're trying to go to sleep and nobody can see us. What am I supposed to be doing? What does all this mean? Existential anxieties. When I was working on my uh, degrees and working as a hospice chaplain, I spent years of study and research into these existential fears that drive us crazy because at the end of life, as I was a hospice chaplain, these fears are so prominent and they basically boil down to four things. The fear of being alone is terrifying. The fear of dying, it affects everybody. The fear of what is, how should I be, what makes life meaningful? We all struggle with this stuff. And what about the uncertainties of life? I know I have to make decisions but how do I know which one is right? There's no way to know for sure. Life is one big crapshoot, and I'm just trying the best, whatever the odds are, making the best choice, but nobody knows for sure. So these are the things that really terrify absolutely everybody. According to all the research and study, the philosophers I've read, the theologians I've read, we all wrestle with this stuff, the fear of being alone, the uncertainty of life, the fear of death, and what makes life meaningful. And I'm going to suggest that in this passage, Jesus is giving us therapeutic help to ward off these anxieties. Because as we wrestle with what God desires of us and being connected with God, it helps us therapeutically tone down and tamp down these existential fears. Because of everything I've learned in more than 30 years of research and study, the most important thing to alleviate existential fears is connection with others. That's why every Sunday I'm up here, we gather here for connection, not for perfection. I'm like a broken record, I know. But I know I'm also offering therapeutic help for the things that scare every one of us. Because the more we're connected, look, here's how it deals with all of these things. Is the more I'm connected with you and we try to be connected to God, I don't feel so alone in the world. And that isolation, it's not going to go away, but it's not going to be the screaming meanie it is so much of the time. And, 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 and looking for meaning in life. Of all the research and study I've done into what life makes life meaningful, 
you can distill it down, it always comes down to this. No matter what you find meaningful in your life, it always involves what we do with and for others. Whatever it is that makes your life meaningful, it's what we do with and for others. So our connection, doing things together, helps make our lives meaningful. That's why this connection is so important. And what about death? That's scary. And a number of us are creeping closer day by day by day. But the idea is by being connected and together, we'll support each other in that so that we don't have to die alone. And that as our abilities decline, we'll have people to come and help bring us food, make sure we're safe, take us to a ride if we need to go somewhere. That we're doing this together so it's not quite as scary. And then the uncertainty of life. I don't know what I should do. Should I listen to this? Should I do what that doctor says? Should I do? I don't know. I don't know. And we can all sit down together and say, I don't know either, but we're in this together. So we're just going to make the best of it. But connection, being connected with others is the most valuable thing we can do to ward off these existential anxieties. And Jesus says, do it with me. I'm with you. You're going to do what I've been doing. Give your life for others the way I have and do it with each other. That is going to alleviate a lot of your fears. That's what I'm suggesting Jesus is teaching us in this passage. And so here we find ourselves in stewardship season. And some of us think, well, the church is always banging for money. Banging, I know it. It was fun for a couple of weeks, but now they're into the money thing. Just the money thing is an invitation for connection. Because what you give your money to, you're connected to. I mean, we have this beautiful banner that Joanna Neiman made for us. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. What you treasure, your heart's going to follow what you treasure, according to Jesus. And so by giving our money support to the communal project of trying to help make the invisible God visible here in Ashland in this time and place by financially contributing, that's an invitation to connect. So when people come to the door during the week and they don't have any food or a place to sleep and TG and Wendy are downstairs, they say, well, we have some money and a fund. We can help you. We're connected to that by how we give. And when people are in a disaster somewhere, we give stuff to the food bank or we help others. Every time we, we're connected to that by our giving. So for me, stewardship is an invitation to spiritual health, to connect in a real way. And, and I'm going to suggest it's more than just giving our pledge money. If you really want to connect, like we try to connect after worship service by having coffee and cookies and that's nice you know five ten minutes ah, how you doing I'm doing good gonna go do some gardening today watch a basketball game you know it's nice good to see you see you next week that's not really connecting that's nice it's a beginning but if we want to connect joining a ministry team here at the church or a committee to get involved that's how you really get to know folks I mean the folks that helped for Jeff Straub's memorial yesterday, connected back in the kitchen, tired, cleaning up afterwards. You get to know folks. So there's opportunities to connect with more than just our money, but with our time and with 
getting to know people. And I'm telling you, it's not just a good moral thing to do. It will help with your own fear of being all alone, lost, and having no idea what to do in life. Because soon you'll realize we're all lost. <laughs> we all feel alone. And we're in this together, and we're going to make the best of it. As we wrestle with trying to figure out what is the invisible God saying to do and how to live in this time and place? Can we make the planet a better place by ecologically behaving well and encouraging others to that and caring for one another as we age and, and working to help uh, homelessness here in our community as we give ourselves together for these things? We will grow together and help alleviate our own inner fears. That's what I'm suggesting Jesus is saying here. You'll do greater works than I've done because we're going to get to do this stuff with Jesus who also said, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. In one of the things Rabbi Heschel says is to know where we're going and Jesus addresses that in this passage. They say, where are you going? He said, I'm Jesus says, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you that'll be nice. Now, one of the silly features of being a human being, our species, we need something concrete to put an idea to. Ideas can mess us up, so we need something concrete. So, for example, if I tell you, well, that was dry, well, that means something to you, but if I say it was bone dry, well, you know better what that what I'm talking about. Or if I say, you know, that was a silly comment. Well, you might understand that, but if I say, well, that was as silly as one of Fred's sermons, then you have a much clearer idea of what I mean by silly. So when Jesus says he's going ahead, so I don't think it's a literal house he's making, but what is a house? A house is a place where we live together intimately and where it's safe and where there's shelter and where there's food and, and you're protected. That, Jesus is saying, he's going ahead to prepare that kind of a place for us. That's where we're heading. It's going to, whatever happens in the great next, it's going to be safe. We're all going to be together. Jesus is going to be with us. The source is going to be with us. And, and, and we're going to be nourished. And it's, it's going to be okay, so relax. Which is why I think he could say at the beginning, don't be troubled, even though I'm going to die and you're all going to desert me. It's all right. No big deal. Because where we're going, it's going to be good. So I, my friends, I say, let's be of good courage. Let's, let's just roll up our sleeves, wrestle with what God may want us to do and become and do it together. We'll stumble, we'll make mistakes, we'll laugh, we'll cry. But we're in this together. And I think that is the heart of what Jesus is teaching us.